Good morning, welcome to West. My name is Andrea Smith. I am the pastor here. And we are so grateful that you are worshiping with us this morning, especially if you're here for the first time today. We extend a very special and warm welcome to you. We invite you to visit our VIP tent for first time guests or new folks to West outside. And also if you're worshiping with us online this morning, we extend a very special welcome to you. Before I dive in the message, which is based on finding faith and discovering our faith in the midst of myths that perhaps we've been taught or heard as we've grown up or we encounter now in our lives like everything happens for a reason. That's one of the myths some have been taught or we hear. Another one is that money is the root of all evil. That too is not found in scripture. We talked about that last week. Today we we have changed our schedule a little so today we are going to be grappling with the fact that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. A clap if you've ever heard that. A good bit of you. We've heard that, you know, when, when folks are trying to offer us solace when we're going through difficult things, you know, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. God doesn't give us more than we can handle. Actually, that is not contained in scripture. So we're gonna look at that in just a few minutes. Before that, though, I wanna, we never make announcements here at West. I wanna make one announcement. In less than 14 days, we will have the sixth annual Back to School Bash. Registration in tomorrow for the students and families in our area. We have like 1,300 students that have registered. And so record crowd, new location at more, yeah, that is exciting. What's also exciting is how to get all those school supplies and tennis shoes and all those parts and pieces. And so many of you are working diligently on that. Thank you. You can volunteer the day of the event or the week beforehand. We're going to be basically taking over Mooresville Middle School. So you can sign up at b2sb.com or .org. So we invite you to check out the Back to School Bash. Now, to start the message, I've asked a couple of folks to come join me on the stage. We are going to see what it looks like, uh, that whole idea that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. So Lee, I wanna invite you out, and Ava Armstrong, I wanna invite you up. Give these folks a warm welcome. Lee is on staff here at West. He did not know this morning that he was going to be doing this. And so I told him, I said, of all days for you to wear a long sleeve t-shirt, I need to show them your biceps. And so uh, he does not normally wear a cat tank top. (laughs) This is my swimsuit cover up for WOW, which I'll be preaching later. And so... uh, Anyway, that I just didn't want you to be embarrassed, Lee, that you have on a cat tank top. And then meet Ava Armstrong, who is his beautiful and a great sport this morning. Now, before I get them to show you what we're talking about, I want you to do something yourself so that they don't feel totally humiliated up on the stage. I want you to take your arms, and I want you to look at them. We all believe that we've been created in the image of God, correct? So now I want you to flex your bicep. Do you have biceps? I don't either. My new quest is because one of my friends is going to drive me crazy if I don't start going back to the gym. So my goal is by Christmas that, you know, that tiny, tiny, tiny little lawn will be a little more defined. Now, Lee, could you show us your biceps, please? Oh my 
Ava, will you show us your biceps? Woo! <laughs> and now Josh Doom is going to help us this morning because you see, we all have a certain amount of physical strength that we have in our own personal being. We're all strong up to a point. And whether it's physical strength or emotional strength, we only have so much that we can use. So that's where this myth comes in about God. So I want to show you what this looks like this morning. Now, Ava and Lee, I'm going to give you different life circumstances. And folks, I think this is what we view God as. So bad analogy of me pretending to be that God figure, but just imagine the person giving us this the person is God. And then these things are things that happen to us in our lives. So, Ava, could you hold on to being bullied? And mean parents, could you hold on to that one as well? <laughs> Lee, job loss. Divorce. Ava, bad grades. You doing okay over there? Yeah. All right, Lee, empty nest. Not fitting in. <laughs> How's this gonna work? It, is it gonna work? You think you can do it? Maybe. All right, All right. you good? Yeah. Each gallon of water weighs eight pounds. Lee, hold on to cancer. The death of a loved one. Waiting on test results for a doctor. Where do you want that to go? That's good. All right, good. Loneliness. Which of you want loneliness? Not me. <laughs> All right, Lee, you got it? I got it. Uh, are you sure? Yeah. Looks a little iffy. All right. Financial struggles. Put it on top. All right. Oh, my. I wonder if we're going to get electrocuted any moment now. Thank you. Give them a huge... What will be even funnier than electrocution will be me falling down in about five minutes on the water that is up on the stage and then having to go to the, the ER. So I'm going to try to make sure I don't trip over the water. Thank you, guys. That's what we think God is like. We think here we are in our physical strength, our emotional strength, and then God just keeps putting more and more and more on us. Things like divorce, things like job loss, things like financial struggle, things like bad grades in school, or being on a sports team and, and you lose, or perhaps you're the one that missed the winning shot. We think these things happen to us, and we think that God causes them to happen. So then that statement, you know, don't worry. God doesn't give you more than you can handle. We, we hear that from other people, or perhaps it's something that we already know and we hold on to it. And it causes us to get a very unhealthy image of God. So this morning, I want us to explore that image. I want us to look at why we think that is true and scriptural. 
And then I want us to look at what God actually does reveal to us in Scripture. Let us pray. Gracious God, this morning as we explore what it is that our forefathers of our faith have taught us about you, we ask that you be in our midst. Help us to see how it is that you are at work in us and help us to understand that sometimes life just happens, but even in the darkest of circumstances, you're always there. Amen. So the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in Corinth, and that's where this whole idea that God doesn't give us more than we can handle, that's where this idea came from. So I want you to take a look actually this morning on the screen of this verse. No temptation has seized you that isn't common for people, but God is faithful. God won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. I want them to leave that, oh, instead with the temptation, God will also supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. Go back to the screen before. No temptation has seized you, God is faithful. It's this last sentence that is on the screen in the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that we focus on and this myth that God doesn't give us more than we can handle comes from. God won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. God won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. It's important in this verse this morning that we actually understand, understand the Greek word for tempted. It also means tested. Those two words are used in scripture interchangeably. The Greek word is the exact same. So we have this, this passage that says God will not allow you to be tempted. But the most important part of that verse is the last part, beyond your abilities. So that's where we get this idea that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. The word handle is what we associate with our abilities, like physically handling. So we think we need to handle things like empty nest and, and waiting on a medical diagnosis. And then these things keep piling up on us. And pretty soon we find that we're at a place that we're handling all that we can and because we believe that God has indeed given us these things, we feel like failures, don't we? If they seem to be too much. Those are some of the factors that drive us into depression. We feel like we aren't strong enough or look at other people and look at all that they're carrying and they're handling. And I compare myself, we compare ourselves to them and, and then gosh, there must be something wrong with us. So we go into depression and as a society, sadly, sometimes we teach that things like counseling and, frankly, antidepressants are bad things, and they're not. They don't show that we're weak. Sometimes life just happens. Cancer is an illness that comes when things inside of our body happen. Divorce happens when, you know, relationships are built upon two people and perhaps the people grow and change and it just can't be reconciled. Or bad grades. You ever gotten bad grades on a test? Did you study for it as much as perhaps you should have? God is not this figure up in heaven, you know, looking at us and assessing the size of our biceps 
and then deciding what we can all hold. That isn't God. Paul was writing to this church in Corinth. It was a church that he founded. He had spent about 18 months with them. Now, I want you to understand the city of Corinth. It was a bustling city with lots of activity. And prior to Paul going there in like AD 50 and launching this church and establishing this band of Christ followers, they worshiped pagan idols. Now, their social status in that time and in that city was tied to how loose they were with their morals. There was this group called the Priestesses of Aphrodite. I won't ask you to yell out to me what you might think that is, but I'll give you a little hint. Uh, Prostitution. Your social status, if you were a male during this time period, it climbed the social status ladder based on how many priestesses of Aphrodite you were able to be in cahoots with. They worshiped pagan idols prior to the time of Christ. And then when Jesus came, he taught them, you know, that the way that you live, the way that you connect with God is to live a life of love. And, you know, going to these feasts and and exercising loose morals is not the way to be in love with God. And so Paul wrote them this letter, and he tells them, you know, you're not going to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Basically, what Paul was saying to them is that you're not gonna be tempted beyond your own inner strength, that you can withstand that temptation. All of us can withstand temptation. It takes willpower, and it takes a connection to something that is a little bigger than we are, or perhaps a lot bigger than we are, and that something is the presence of God. That's why it's so important that we understand that God, the presence of God, the spirit of God, is not a man on a throne with a long white beard and a magic wand that just, you know, sits and and doles out stuff on us or zaps us. God is a presence. It's an energy. It's a love. And God revealed God's self to us through Jesus Christ, who then, when he knew his time on earth was pretty close to being over, he reminded them all, you're not going to be alone. Even when I'm not here with you anymore, the advocate, your advocate, the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to be in and among each of you. So Paul is just reiterating that to them and telling them, you know, when you get tempted, remember, there's something that you can hold on to that will allow you to withstand the temptation. That's the presence of God. So this morning, let's think about for just a minute, what tempts you? What is your temptation? Because you see, temptation leads us to sin. Sin's not something we like to talk about a lot. It's not warm, fuzzy. But sin, the definition of sin is when we miss the mark. Hamartia. That's the Greek word for sin. And it's, it's when we miss the mark of being at one with God. And remember, if God is love, sin is that which causes us to miss the mark of love. 
And so Paul is trying to tell them, you know, you're not going to be tempted so much that you, that you stray away from this love and, and you have to give in to this sin. So that's what he's trying to teach them. He's trying to teach them a lesson about, about temptation. He is not trying to teach them that God is this divine being in some faraway place that just keeps slamming life circumstances on them until God thinks they can break. And then when God sees them wavering, just like Lee and Ava were wavering with their arms there at the end when they had all the water in their arms, you know, then God goes, hmm, okay. I see that Lee's got a little too much on his plate right now. So now, now I'm going to pull something back. That isn't God. First of all, God isn't giving us all those things. Life happens That's the myth we dealt with about three weeks ago at the start of this message series that this myth that we've been taught that everything happens for a reason, that is not in there. There are things that sound and allude to that, but that itself, that God gives us everything that is not in there. And we talked about the different ways to look at that. If you weren't here with us that week, I invite you to go back online and and listen to that message because it explains the fatalistic nature that we are embracing if we embrace that myth of scripture. We just don't believe as followers of Christ that all of our life circumstances come to us or are given to us by God. Life happens. But there is something that God does give us that enables us to deal with the things that happen. If you look in Psalm 46, the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and our strength. God is a very present help in trouble, and therefore we will not fear, even though the earth should change, and even though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, and though its waters roar and foam, God is our refuge, and God is our strength. Sometimes in life, when we face these difficult circumstances, it does feel like they are overwhelming. Many, many years ago, I had the opportunity to be in ministry with a very young woman. She was in her late 30s, early 40s, and she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. They did the surgery, and she went through a radical mastectomy, and then she was cancer-free. I believe at the time she had a two-year-old, a four-year-old and a first grader. And not very long after her chemo had been finished, she went back for one of her scans and they told her that it showed up on her bones. Once it spreads to the bone, that's you know, not a very good diagnosis. I was early in my ministry time with her and she was new to the church and new to faith as an adult. You see, she had grown up in the church, but once she went away to school and got married, she quit going to church. So her faith, the things that she believed, they were the same tenets that she believed when she was 18. So as the first time that I visited her in the hospital and she was sitting there with me, she looked at me and she said, so this is what I get. I said, well, what do you mean? 
And she said, well, this is what I get when I was younger, I had an affair. And I know that this is God's way of punishing me because I sinned. So we talked about that a little. We talked about, you know, that with sin also comes the opportunity for repentance, which means to turn away from whatever it is that causes us to get, you know, away from God. And then the beauty of forgiveness, that when God forgives us, it's all gone. We as human beings, we can't even begin to fathom that because, you know, we may forgive, but we don't forget. You ever heard that saying? We attribute then, we push that saying and that idea and concept off to God. And so we think too that God may forgive us, but God doesn't forget. So then later on in life, here she is with this beautiful family, a man that loved her, and she's dying. And her idea of God was that God was punishing her. And God was giving this to her to see how much she could handle and to see how long she could hold on to her faith before she died. We had lengthy conversations about that. And I told her, I just, I mean, I only know what I study and what I hear and what I personally believe, but I just don't believe in a God like that. I don't believe in a God that sees us screw up when we're young and then holds it over our heads just until life is almost perfect. And then God zaps us with stuff like cancer just to see how long can we hold on to our faith in the midst of trials. That isn't God. So when you hear folks say to you, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, I don't recommend like, you know, going into a deep argument at the time. First of all, it would make them feel bad for saying it because they're really just trying to be helpful. And you know, maybe we have said it too to folks. You know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. There's a saying that if God didn't give me more than I could handle, I wish God wouldn't trust me so much. I've believed that before. But that means we have to believe, if we say that statement and hold on to that statement, it means that we believe that everything that happens to us, both good and bad, is a product of God. So instead of saying that to folks that find themselves dealing with some of this stuff, poor self-esteem, loneliness, waiting on a diagnosis, financial struggles, divorce, cancer, when we find people that are struggling with the weight of life, instead of saying, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, so just hold on, eventually he'll come to your rescue, maybe think that God is with us and God is with you as you handle what life gives. I know God's with you as you handle what life gives. One of the reasons I think we believe that God tempts, tempts us and tests us is the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. 
if you do a scholarly exegesis of the Lord's Prayer, and that's a fancy preacher word for you actually break down the, the words and attribute them back to their original Greek or Hebrew meaning. When we translated the Lord's Prayer from Greek or Aramaic to English, we put the comma, most scholars believe, in the wrong place. So I'm going to show you those two sentences this morning, or the one sentence on the screen, and what happens when we change the comma. Do we have that? Great. Take a look at this. The first sentence is what I think we've been taught to believe. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you've memorized the Lord's Prayer or learned the Lord's Prayer, I think that's what we hold on to. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So God, don't lead me into temptation. That's our prayer. But if you actually study the Greek words, it ends up like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, lead us. Not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I want you to hear this passage also in the book of James this morning. James was doing the same thing Paul was. He was writing to a group of people and trying to urge them to hold on to their faith. And this is what he writes. Blessed is anyone that endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised No one when tempted should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and God tempts no one. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived. Now that passage is actually a whole other sermon. I don't want us to get sidetracked on that, but the word death, please don't take that literally and think it means a a literal death, a physical death. It means a, a spiritual death, something that dies inside of us when we do get tempted and those those dark things overcome us and separate us from God. That's what the writer is talking about. The point is, I really want us to walk away from this whole message series this summer and understand that we have these myths that we've heard or been taught or that are predominant in our society right now about God and the myths don't hold up. If we've been taught that everything happens for a reason or that God doesn't give us more than we can handle, when our arms are full like Lee and Ava's, When our hearts are empty and one more thing happens, when our life feels like we are at the bottom of the pit and there is no way out and then yet one more thing comes, the temptation then is to turn away from God. Because what kind of God would let us struggle and suffer this much? What kind of God would let and allow so many terrorists to continue to kill innocent people in our world? What kind of God allows that to happen? That isn't God. That is evil. 
And we do believe that there are several different types of evil that exist in our world, natural evil, moral evil, and we're actually going to do a message series on those this fall, because lots of times we attribute evil to God. Paul, the one who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth and said, don't give in to the temptations that are going to lead you astray Rely on God. He had his own struggles. When he was in jail awaiting execution, he wrote another passage. And basically it said, we are all going to face trouble in this life. Trouble is going to come, but may we not believe that that trouble comes from God because God is our place of strength. And God is the one that gives us peace. So if we connect to God, God ultimately does provide us with all that we need. And it comes from being connected with God as revealed to us through Christ Jesus. Nothing separates us from the love of God, not death, not famine, not being persecuted or bullied. God gives us what we need, that inner strength and peace. And God also gives us one another. And God also gives us folks like counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists so that when our life circumstances are too heavy, there are people that are professionally trained to help us through those dark places. And there is nothing wrong with seeking that help. The lady that was battling cancer, that felt like she was being punished because she had had an affair at a young age. The good news is she was able with radiation and additional chemotherapy to live about a year and a half to two years longer with that diagnosis where the cancer had spread to her bones. You know, when you have a a reality check that life is coming to an imminent end, it does cause us to explore lots of different things. For her, she explored her faith. And near the time of her death, I had the opportunity to be with her again, and she, she recounted that visit that we had early on. And she said, I want you to know that I don't believe God's doing this to me anymore. And I want you to know that through all of this, my faith is stronger, not because I believe that God's watching to see how much I can handle, but because I believe there is a God of love. That's the bottom line. And I hope you know that God. And I hope that you know that no matter how dark life gets, there is a peace and a love that comes to each of us that is bigger than we are. If you don't know that, then call me and we'll talk about it because I believe it's real. The worst things are never the last things. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are a God of love. 
And all throughout history, people have struggled to live lives that are connected with you, with peace, with love, with joy, with hope. And there are things that tempt us and get in the way of that. God, we ask that you reveal yourself to each of us and show us that the dark circumstances that we face, we don't have to hold alone. Let us seek out help with one another and let us seek out help with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I invite you to stand and join in our closing song.
whatever the things that life throws at you, whether it's mean parents and Lane Smith, I see you on the third row nodding feverishly. I'm not a mean parent. Don't talk about your father like that in church. (laughs) Or whether it's being bullied, whatever the things are that happens to you in your life, the whole point of having faith is to be able to do this, to lay them down. We can do that in a lot of ways. The best way is through prayer and ask for peace and comfort. Another way is by doing this. And we find somebody that cares about us and we ask them to carry the burdens for us. We all have those people. May you go and may you thrive. Amen.